In this video, we're going over the category Herbs That Invigorate the Blood. If you're in Bensky, this is part two of his chapter, Herbs That Regulate the Blood. If you want to follow along, you can download the flashcards or download the slides. Links are below. And this video is brought to you by students like you. So to everyone who supports the YouTube channel and the website tcmstudy.net, thank you. If you're getting value out of these videos and like to give something back, consider joining the Patreon or making a one-time donation through Buy Me A Coffee. Links to those are below. So let's go ahead and go over herbs that invigorate the blood. So with herbs that invigorate the blood, we're dealing with a condition of blood stasis. What is blood stasis? Well, blood stasis or shui is the inhibited movement or non-movement of blood. Or we could say the flow of blood has been slowed, obstructed, or become static. So this first one is the uh, Wiseman definition of blood stasis. The second one is what Bensky says. But basically, the flow of blood uh, has become slowed or stopped. This can, when we say inhibited movement or non-movement of blood, this could be in the organs or in the channels. But the flow of blood is sluggish or it's completely stopped. So what causes blood stasis? Well, it turns out that this is kind of what we said about phlegm. Remember when we talked about phlegm, we said that phlegm is a secondary pathogen, that there's some other pathogenic process that's causing the formation of phlegm, that some other pathogen is slowing down the circulation of fluids, and then those fluids congeal into phlegm. So phlegm is a secondary pathogen. There's something else causing it. Well, it turns out we say the same thing about blood stasis, that blood stasis is a secondary pathogen. There's some other pathogenic process that's inhibiting the movement or slowing down the movement of blood, or even so much that it actually stops or becomes static. So what causes blood stasis? Well, we have a couple of different causes. First, we can say qi deficiency or qi stagnation. Remember, we have the saying that the qi is the commander of blood and blood is the mother of qi. When we say that the qi is the commander of blood, we mean that qi is the motive force for blood. Qi is the energy that moves the blood along. So if qi is deficient, there's just not enough energy to move the blood, and so the blood becomes static or the, its movement becomes inhibited. Same thing with qi stagnation. If the qi is not moving, then the blood is not moving. So those are two causes of blood stasis. We can also talk about heat and cold. And again, this is kind of the same with phlegm. So remember with phlegm, we said that heat can say get into the lungs and cook down the fluids and thicken the fluids like thickening a stew and that will cause phlegm. Or we can say that cold can get in there and cold can slow down the fluids and cause them to congeal into phlegm. Well, we have the same thing here with blood stasis, that heat can actually get into the blood. And when that heat gets into the blood, it can we can say the heat can boil the blood or the heat can dry out the blood and that causes essentially the blood to become thicker and it slows down the movement or stops the movement of blood. We can also have cold. Uh, cold is a yin pathogen. It causes things to slow down. So when cold gets into the blood, it can cause the blood to slow down or congeal and cause blood stasis. We can also have phlegm causing blood stasis. Say we get phlegm in the channels, that's going to be like an obstruction that slows or stops the movement of blood. And then we can also have injury or trauma causing blood stasis. You can maybe think about... Um, Maybe say you uh, bang your shoulder and you get a bruise and it's all purple and that's kind of like bleeding under the skin. And so when you get hit and you get that bruise, the blood has left and gone outside of the vessels and that blood is now static. So that could be blood stasis. Or you can think about, uh, say, maybe you sprain your ankle and your ankle swells up and it's the size of a basketball now. And the fact that there's that swelling there, that's a sign that the blood is not moving. The blood is stuck in that one location. And so that injury or trauma 
has caused blood stasis. So these are our causes of blood stasis. And that's just something to think about that when we're trying to treat blood stasis or we're trying to invigorate blood, that we may need to address these underlying causes as well in order to treat the root cause. Um, so what are our signs and symptoms of blood stasis? Well, we how do we know we have blood stasis and what are we trying to treat? Well, we could have pain. This, this is going to be fixed stabbing pain, sharp stabbing pain that's worse with pressure. So again, hopefully this makes sense. We said before, where there's stagnation, there's pain. Where there's pain, there's stagnation. Um, so if the blood is not moving, we're going to experience pain. But just remember that pain due to chi stagnation is different from pain due to blood stasis. When we have pain due to chi stagnation, we're usually talking about more of a dull, achy pain. The pain might move around, and it's usually over a diffuse area. When, when we have chi stagnation pain, they're like, oh, it hurts right here. Whereas with blood stasis pain, the pain is going to be uh, sharp stabbing instead of dull achy. We're talking about like a sharp stabbing pain. It's in a fixed location as it does not, as in it doesn't move around. And it's usually something that you can pinpoint instead of saying like it hurts in this area. They're like, it hurts right here. And so it's fixed sharp stabbing pain is what we expect to see with blood stasis. We can also say swellings, hard masses, or lumps either on the surface or in the body. So when you talk about like lumps on the surface, again, this is usually due to injury and trauma. Like if I bang my head, which I bang my head on the top of a trailer this weekend, and you start and you get some like lump or swelling, that would be blood stasis due to injury and trauma. But that's like a, a swelling or a lump or a mass due to injury and trauma. But we can also have um, lumps inside the body. Wiseman will actually use the term concretions and conglomerations or clumping. And again, this is something that we saw with phlegm. We said that uh, phlegm could cause clumps and nodules. We talked about goiter and scrofula on the neck or lipomas on the skin. But the thing is, with lumps due to phlegm, those lumps are usually more soft and squishy and you, they're movable. You can wiggle them around. Whereas when we're talking about um, hard masses with due to blood stasis, these are not soft and squishy. These are solid, hard, and they're fixed as in they don't move around. So I think the most common one we'll see here is we talk about fixed abdominal masses or palpable abdominal masses, uh, things in the, in the abdomen and, and lower jowl, uh, concretions and conglomerations, or we could say hard masses and lumps is another sign of blood stasis. Another common symptom we'll see with blood stasis is irregular menses. So when you say irregular menses, we could mean that um, we could say prolonged menses. So instead of having a 28-day cycle, we have a 35, 38-day cycle that because the blood is not moving, the cycle becomes longer than what we expect it to. Sometimes it can vary. That one month it will be long, like 35 days. The other month it will be short, like 20 days. So it could be sometimes long, sometimes short. That's irregular menses. Also, painful menses, because again, we're talking about sharp stabbing pain, or even amenorrhea, as in the period does not come at all, because the blood is so stuck, just nothing's coming out, and we end up with no period or amenorrhea. But again, um, we're dealing with blood, so menstruation issues is going to be common signs and symptoms. Uh, we said in the last category about herbs that stop bleeding that uh, blood stasis is a cause of bleeding, and kind of what we say is... If there's some obstruction or the blood has stopped, as the blood tries to come through, it will move outside of the vessel to go around that obstruction. And when the blood moves outside of the vessel, that's called, that's called bleeding. 
Uh, so blood stasis can also cause bleeding. Again, this is often going to be seen in uh, menstruation issues like irregular menses or painful menses. But with that bleeding, we expect to see dark or purplish blood. Purple is the color of blood stasis. Or we may have clots. So that's another thing we might see with our irregular menses is um, painful menses, sharp stabbing pain. The, the blood has a dark or purplish color to it. And we may see clots as well. Um, and then uh, purple is the color of blood stasis. So we could see... Um, purple or soot black complexion, purple lips or nails, varicose veins or spidery veins can be considered blood stasis, and then um, certain skin issues. I think uh, one of the textbooks says encrusted skin, but I think we could also say like dry scaly skin could be a sign of blood stasis as well. But again, I would look for the color purple. That, you know, red is the color of heat, blue is the color of cold, purple is the color of blood stasis. The tongue is going to be purple with stasis speckles, so little like dots or speckles that are associated with blood stasis. But again, purple is the color of blood stagnation or blood stasis. And here I would just say, please do not use the term dusky. Um, I think in my school and a lot of schools, a lot of people will describe the tongue as being dusky when they encounter a purple colored tongue. Uh, this is something that doesn't actually come from our textbook. So I had one teacher who was very adamant about you should not use the word dusky. Dusky actually means like a blackish color. And that is something that's a, a very serious condition that the person, is, the patient has imminent death coming. So when you, if you see a tongue that's purple, just say purple. Don't say dusky. You could go a step further and say, is it reddish purple or is it bluish purple? Because that could let you know if there's heat or cold along with your stasis. But please say purple. Do not say dusky. Um, the other thing is when we look underneath the tongue, we can look at the veins on the underside of the tongue. So we might see uh, swollen distended veins that are purplish in color. So that's another thing you might look for for blood stasis. And the pulse is going to be rough or choppy. Turns out rough and choppy mean the same thing. These are both um, both translations of the Chinese term sumai. So when you say sumai, that can be translated as a rough pulse or a choppy pulse. And that's referring to how smoothly the blood is flowing through the vessel. So when you have a slippery pulse, it's going nice and smooth. But when you have a choppy pulse, it's not flowing smoothly. We say it's like scraping a dull knife across bamboo. It's like uh, rain hitting the wet sand. It's like a sick silkworm munching on a mulberry leaf. So that's a rough or a choppy pulse. Or we can have, uh, I believe in Chinese, this is jiemai, the knotted pulse or the bound pulse. And this is an irregular pulse, specifically an irregularly irregular pulse. So it skips beats at irregular intervals. And again, this is just, um, it's uh, denoting that there's stasis or obstruction, that the blood is not able to sm flow smoothly. So it, it gets interrupted. I think about like, um, you know, when, you're, when your water has been shut off for a while and then they, then they turn it back on and you turn on the faucet and it kind of comes out and, and kind of spurts out. I think of that the, because there's blood stasis, there's a, some obstruction. That's how the blood is flowing through your vessels. So it might become irregular. So these are some of the signs and symptoms that we'll be looking for uh, that indicate there's a blood stasis. And these are some of the things we might be treating when we use these herbs that invigorate blood. 
So to kind of summarize all that, basically the conditions we're treating are pain conditions. This could be pain due to injury and trauma or that blood stasis type of pain, sharp stabbing pain, irregular menses or menstruation issues, either with the duration of the period, painful menses, um, menses with a lot of clots, uh, things like that. Masses and lumps. This could be masses due to injury trauma or internal masses due to blood stasis. Again, Wiseman calls those concretions and conglomerations and accumulations, which I think is nice. And then um, injury and trauma usually comes along with blood stasis. So we, we get that uh, swelling that comes with injury and trauma. That could be a sign of blood stasis or like bruising, purplish bruising could be a sign of blood stasis. So those are the kinds of things we're treating in this uh, category. Also, when we start talking about these herbs, it turns out we do have different intensities of actions. I think we said the same thing about herbs that regulate the chi, um, but we have, when it comes to moving blood, we also have different intensities of actions. We can, the, the lowest intensity, we can say we're harmonizing the blood. It's a very gentle action of just uh, getting the blood moving. We can also use the term quicken the blood, or transform stasis. Hua yu again means stasis. Um, this first one, huo we say quicken the blood. I think huo literally means to enliven. So I think about like if you're like kind of sleepy and kind of lazy and you don't want to move and someone comes along and pokes you with a stick to make you wake up, that's what we mean by enlivening the blood to get it moving. Or we can even say transform stasis. Then our most... Um, Intense form of action is breaking the blood. Remember we said the same thing about um, qi, that we could break the qi or crack the qi. This is for um, severe qi stagnation where we just, like the Kool-Aid man busting through a brick wall, we're breaking through those areas of stagnation. We say the same thing about blood stasis, that we can break the blood. And those are those uh, the herbs that break the blood are often used for those masses, conglomerations, and accumulations because we're just busting right through it. It's like sending a bulldozer right through that stasis. So it is not gentle at all. So um, basically, you may see some of these terms come up in our herbs. And I basically want to differentiate when we talk about breaking the blood or strongly or breaking up blood stasis. That's a very strong action. So we have to make sure that our patient is healthy enough to uh, withstand those herbs. But it's kind of like generally we use the term invigorate blood to kind of encompass all of these actions. So, But those are some of the things we might see or you might see in your books when you talk about the actions associated with invigorating the blood. Um, I don't know if I want to talk about this or not. Uh, basically, while we're talking about terminology, we can also talk about some people will ask, what's the difference between stagnation and stasis? And as far as I know, uh, there isn't one. So technically, these are two separate terms in Chinese. We can say um, qi stagnation, qi zhi, or we can say blood stasis, shui yi. And they're both just signs that things are not moving. And so I have a tendency to say blood stagnation just because that's what one of my teachers would always say. And so I just use that term. But when I say blood stagnation, I really mean blood stasis. 
to me, this is like the difference between saying Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. What's the difference between Merry and Happy? There really isn't one. It's just that, at least in America, if you go up to someone and say Merry New Year, it sounds funny. And so it's the same thing that when we talk about chi, if the chi is not moving, we say chi stagnation. And the way we deal with that is we regulate the chi or we move the chi. When the blood is not moving, we say blood stasis. And the way we deal with that is we invigorate blood. But as far as I know, they mean the same thing. Some people will try to say that stasis is a more severe form of stagnation. That may come up in some books, but I think classically they they don't make that distinction. And in modern books, it's not really consistent. I think when we're talking about chi, we say chi stagnation. When we're talking about blood, we say blood stasis. If I accidentally say blood stagnation, I really mean blood stasis. So hopefully that's not too confusing. When we get into the properties of these herbs, herbs that invigorate the blood, these herbs are going to be acrid and bitter because remember the acrid has a moving and dispersing function. So we're trying to disperse the stasis, so they're going to be acrid. Some of these herbs are also going to be bitter, and again, this is because the bitter flavor has a downward direction. So it's often when, we're, when we want to move blood, we want to move it downward, especially when we're dealing things with like menstruation issues. If we have delayed menses, painful menses, or amenorrhea, we not only want to move the blood, it's likely we want to move that blood downward uh, in order to fix those problems. In terms of temperature, most of these herbs are warm in temperature because warm temperature is yang, it's activating, it's moving, so most of these herbs are going to be warm, but some of them are going to be cold as well. So that's something we want to pay attention to is if we get those cold ones that pop up, uh, that's something that will make it stand out. In terms of the entering channels, most of these herbs enter the liver channel because the liver stores blood. So basically anytime an herb has anything to do with blood, whether that's tonifying blood, invigorating blood, stopping bleeding, clearing heat and cooling the blood, anytime it has anything to do with blood, it enters the liver channel. Some of these herbs will also enter the heart channel as well because the, art, because the heart has an action of moving blood. So we may see some that enter the heart channel as well. The main action of these is to invigorate blood and remove blood stasis or transform blood stasis. But again, we have those different levels of action. And cautions and contraindications. Uh, use caution during pregnancy because if we're moving the blood, we don't want to create so much movement that we move the baby right out of there or we don't inadvertently cause a miscarriage. So pretty much all of these herbs are at least, we at least say, use caution during pregnancy. There are a lot of them that we outright say contraindicated during pregnancy, um, especially when we talk about breaking the blood or those um, herbs that are good for breaking up masses, accumulations, conglomerations, and concretions. Those ones are definitely contraindicated during pregnancy. We also say use caution during heavy menses because Basically, if the person has heavy menses, the blood is already flowing too much. We don't want to speed up that movement even more and cause the person to bleed out and become anemic. Or we don't want to cause blood deficiency by making a heavy period even heavier. The other thing we should probably say here that's not listed about cautions and contraindications is, again, some of these herbs are very strong in their action, so they could... Uh, deplete the upright chi. When we're dispersing that uh, blood stasis, we want to make sure that we're not also dispersing the upright chi as well. So especially with these herbs that have a strong action, we want to make sure that the patient is strong enough to handle them. Um, or maybe um, another way we can put this is uh, sometimes we use this analogy of 
if you have a, a, a car engine and there's not enough oil, you don't want to rev the engine when you don't have enough oil. That will cause problems. So it's kind of similarly, if you try to invigorate blood, create movement, when there's not enough blood there, you could inadvertently stir up wind. So we want to make sure that our, our patients are strong enough to, to handle these herbs and that we're not inadvertently dispersing the upright chi. So here we have our list of herbs that invigorate blood. It looks like a very long list. It's I think it's actually not that bad because a lot of these we'll talk about in pairs. But in terms of Bensky, he tends to just give us one long list of herbs that invigorate blood. There are other books that will actually separate in, it into categories based on the herb specialty. So we have herbs that relieve pain, herbs that regulate menses, herbs that disperse masses, and herbs that are good for injury and trauma. This actually comes from the Wiseman and Brand book, so it's not he doesn't actually say this. He's very Wiseman about it. So he says, uh, pain relieving, blood quickening medicinals, or blood quickening, menses regulating medicinals, or blood quickening, concretion dispersing medicine. Anyway, he divides it up into these categories based on what their major action is or what their specialty is. But it turns out this is one where I just go in Bensky order for this one because to me, for one thing, there, he has a category of herbs that are good for injury and trauma, and it turns out we don't actually learn any of those herbs on our syllabus or on the NCCM list. There's still good herbs like Shuejie, Dragon's Blood, Sumu. There are good herbs there, but we just don't learn them. And then to me, it's kind of hard to differentiate some of these because it's it's like if you're regulating menses, you're probably also relieving pain. If you're dealing with injury and trauma, you're probably also relieving pain. So to me, there's it's just there's a lot of overlap here. So I don't necessarily talk about the herbs in this way. But this is something to keep in mind if you're trying to organize these herbs, this long category in your head. You can think that some of them are primarily used for regulating menses or we could say for OBGYN conditions or for gynecological issues. And uh, we do have some that are especially good for dispersing uh, masses, lumps, swellings, and then some that ha also have a pain relieving effect. So that's something you can think about. But I'm just going to go through them in Bensky order. So our first one here is Chuan Xiong, Chuan Xiong Rhizoma, Chuan Xiong, Chuan Xiong Rhizoma. This is a convenient one where the Chinese name is exactly the same as the Latin name. So it's Chuan Chong Rhizoma. This invigorates blood and moves qi. So here we're moving both qi and blood. We're dealing with both qi stagnation and blood stasis. Because again, they tend to occur together uh, if things aren't moving. So Chuan Chong is for pretty much any type of blood stasis pattern. We can say this is for uh, menstruation issues like dysmenorrhea, amenorrhea, difficult labor, or retention of lochia. So I don't know if we talked about this before, but lochia is basically postpartum bleeding. It turns out that after you have a lot, after you have a baby, there's a lot of not baby that's still stuck in there that has to come out. So basically you have continuous uh, bleeding and discharge over the next four to eight weeks after giving birth as all that blood, mucus, and uterine lining has to come out. And so if that stuff is not coming out, we could, we call that retention of lochia, or I think the Western term is lochiostasis. So that might be something that could happen with blood stasis postpartum. So when you see retention of lochia, that's what we're referring to. I guess the other term we might have seen before is lingering lochia, where uh, that postpartum bleeding, it normally lasts around four weeks, maybe up to six or eight weeks. But if it continues beyond that, if we have bleeding 
you know, 10, 12 weeks after, after uh, giving birth, we could call that lingering lochia, and that would be a bleeding condition where we might want to use herbs that stop bleeding, that there shouldn't be that much bleeding going on. Anyway, this is for all types of bleeding, including OBGYN conditions like dysmenorrhea, amenorrhea, difficult labor, retained lochia. This is also for pain conditions like pain in the chest, um, pain in the chest or pain in the rib sides. Remember before we talked about chest B or painful obstruction of the chest. And then also for painful swellings and bruisings from injury and trauma. So this is for like all types of blood stasis. It's, it does stop pain. So Wiseman and Brand put it in the pain relieving category, but it can also be used for uh, irregular menses as well. The other thing that makes Chuan Chong stand out is this expels wind and treats headache. Chuan Chong is especially good for treating headache. And this is really for any type of headache due to any cause, depending on what herbs that we combine it with. So I feel like I have seen some people say that uh, Chuan Chong is good for a particular type of headache. When you talk about Yang Ming headache, Xiaoyang headache, Taiyang headache, so frontal headache, temporal headache, occipital headache, vertex headache. It turns out Chuan Chong can be used for any type of headache depending on what we combine it with. There are also people say that uh, Chuan Chong is especially for headache due to an external invasion of wind, but again, this can be in reality, when we get to formulas, this can be used for any type of headache due to any cause. So this could be headache due to wind invasion. This could be headache due to blood deficiency, headache due to blood stasis, headache due to liver yang rising. Basically, Chuan Chong is good for any type of headache. When you get to formula class, uh, when you start talking about formula modifications, pretty much every formula has that modification of if the patient has a headache, add in Chuan Chong. And so again, this is going to depend on what other herbs we combine it with. So if you go back to your uh, cool ac or warm acid release exterior and cool acid release exterior, we said that things like Bai Jur is especially good for Yang Ming headache, Chang Hu for Tai Yang headache, things like that. Chuan Chong for any type of headache due to any cause. But that's definitely something we want to know about Chuan Chong. Uh, this one is use caution during pregnancy because we're moving both chi and blood. And um, the name of this, uh, Chuan, it just refers to Sichuan, uh, Sichuan province, where this is from. In English, I think this is called Chinese lovage root. I don't know what a lovage plant is, but apparently this is Chinese lovage root. So the things I would remember about this is Chuan Chong, all around good blood invigor invigorator. It moves both qi and blood, so for blood stasis and qi stagnation. And Chuan Chong's specialty is that it treats headache. Next is Don Shen, Salvia Miltio Rizai Radix. Don Shen, Salvia Miltio Rizai Radix. Um, so this one, I think what we want to know about this is it's especially useful for menstruation issues. So this one, Wiseman and Brand put it in that menstruation or irregular menses category, but we should also know it's slightly cold in temperature. So I think those are the things that stand out about Don Shen is it invigorates blood, especially for irregular menses, painful menses, or amenorrhea. And this one, we say it's very balanced and harmonious. This is very common to use in menstruation issues because it's balanced and harmonious, that it moves the blood, but it doesn't 
move it so much that it will cause issues. It creates movement without dispersing the upright chi. Some people will even say that Donjin has a, has a small action of tonifying blood as well. So that makes it a very useful herb for uh, menstruation issues. And kind of like we said with Xiang Fu in the uh, regulate chi category, because it's slightly cold in temperature, we don't have to worry about it causing heat signs with long-term use. So I'd say main application is for uh, irregular menses, but it can also be used for swellings and accumulations. And it can also be used for pain in the chest, abdomen, uh, heart. And we also say chest and epigastrium is where this comes up in formulas. But um, basically, my Chinese teacher would always say that Don Shen is our number one herb for treating chest B due to blood stasis. So if you remember before in our phlegm category, we talked about chest B due to phlegm with things like guolo and xie bai. That was chest obstruction due to phlegm. Don Shen is apparently one of our number one herbs for chest B due to blood stasis. So that's the other thing I would remember about Don Shen, I think. More famously, it's used for irregular menses, but also can be used for chest bee. Don Shen also clears heat to calm Shen. So Don Shen calms the Shen. It's in the name of the herb. So for restlessness, irritability, insomnia, and palpitation, when heat gets into the heart and causes and disturbs disturbs the Shen, um, causes vexation in the Shen. And so Don Shen, because of its cool temperature, uh, it clears that heat to calm Shen. And then some, sometimes we'll also say it tonifies yin and blood to calm Shen. I guess this is something we'll talk about more when we get to the category of herbs that calm the spirit. But those are two ways that we can calm the spirit is by clearing heat uh, to calm the spirit or tonify heart yin, tonify heart blood to calm the spirit. So some people will say this also has a tonifying action, but Kind of like I said before, I think this, if we do say that Don Shen tonifies, it's a very weak action. Um, notice that Don Shen is not sweet in flavor, so we don't outright say it has a strong tonifying action. For this one, kind of, kind of my opinion on this is we do have this statement that um, in order to generate new blood, the old blood must first be transformed. And so that's part of our strategy for tonifying blood is that in order to create new blood, we must first move out the old blood. And so we need some action of invigorating blood. And so that's kind of my interpretation of this. When we say Don Shen and uh, tonifies blood, it doesn't really have a sweet flavor that adds blood directly, but more by invigorating and get ridding of, of the old blood that makes room for the new blood. Um, I think I talked about this uh, when we talked about Spleen 10, where Machiocha thinks that Spleen 10 tonifies blood, but Deadman does not list it as a function of tonifying blood. It's more that Spleen 10 invigorates blood, so that's what I think about that. Go go watch the Spleen channel thing about Spleen 10. Uh, but Don Shen calms the Shen. That's the gist of that. Also clears heat toxicity to treat skin problems, so for sores and early stage breast abscess. Um... So when you have like heat, swelling, and sores, like we talked about in the heat toxicity category, but for this one, we would only use it internally, like you would cook it into a decoction and drink it. We wouldn't use it externally, like you might see with like Pugongying dandelion. That was one the dandelion you could crush and make into a poultice and apply it externally for breast abscess. Donchen, we only use it internally. Donchen is contraindicated during pregnancy. Um, so this one, is movement action is strong enough that we say it's outright contraindicated during pregnancy. The name means cinnabar root. So don means cinnabar, same thing like your don tian. 
Um, but here, Don Cinnabar is referring to its reddish color. Shen means root, but you can think that Shen also means like your heart Shen, your heart spirit. So Don Shen calms the Shen, but it also invigorates blood, especially for irregular menses. This is a very commonly used herb in gynecological situations. Ji Shui Tang, Spatholobicollis. Ji Shui Tang, Spatholobicollis. Um, this is a vine. Ji Shui Tang invigorates blood and tonifies blood. So it's especially for blood deficiency with blood stasis when the two go together. So Ji Shui Tang, we actually do say it's sweet in flavor. So this one, I think we can, um, we can more confidently say that Ji Shui Tang has a blood tonifying action, but again, it's not very strong. So for blood deficiency patterns with blood stasis, and again, this happens fairly commonly. If we don't have enough blood, then the blood is not gonna be moving uh, moving well, and it's especially for menstruation issues because with, me with menstruation issues, those two things tend to go together a lot very commonly as well, that if a, if a patient is having uh, uh, painful periods, amenorrhea, irregular menses, it's possible that they have both blood stasis and blood deficiency at the same time. So this is really convenient that it does both. It turns out it just doesn't do either one really well. It's not strong in either of those actions, so we'll never see Ji Shui Tang as um, the chief herb in a formula. We also say that Ji Shui Tang relaxes the sinews and unblocks the channels to treat B syndrome. This is for things like numbness, paralysis, uh, low back pain, knee pain, and joint stiffness. So if you remember back in our first category this semester was herbs that dispel wind dampness or herbs that treat B syndrome. There we said we had several strategies for treating B syndrome. We could uh, basically release the exterior or expel wind cold dampness to treat B syndrome, use the acrid flavor to push the wind cold damp out. We could uh, unblock the channels and relax the sinews. So open, unblock the channels and uh, collaterals, relax the sinews, stretch and soothe the sinews. And this was especially for difficulty bending and stretching. Or we could tonify yin, tonify blood to strengthen tendon and bone to treat B syndrome. So this one, we say that Ji Shui Tang has an action of relaxing the sinews and unblocking the channels to treat B syndrome. And you can maybe think this is like a doctrine of signatures things because, uh, like I said, tongue is a vine. So Ji Shui Tongue is a vine. You can think that vines look like channels and vines are very soft and flexible. So we use vines to make your channels or your sinews soft and flexible. So Ji Shui Tongue is good for B syndrome. And then down here we say that um, because it has these actions, this makes it very good for uh, B syndrome due to blood deficiency because we're tonifying the blood, we're invigorating the blood, and we're opening and unblocking the channels. So those things go together very well when we're treating things like B syndrome. Uh, it just turns out that Ji Shui Tang is not very strong in any of these actions. So the name Ji Shui Tang means chicken blood vine. And uh, this, again, is just referring to the color. I guess that's a color, a shade of red that looks like chicken blood. So that's Ji Shui Tang. Ton, uh, invigorates blood, tonifies blood, treats B syndrome. Those are the thing, three things you should know about it. Just know that's very mild in those actions. Next is Yan Hu Suo, Corridulus Rhizoma. Yan Hu Suo, Corridulus Rhizoma. What we want to know about Yan Hu Suo is it stops pain. If we were to say that there's such a thing in Chinese medicine and Chinese herbology as a pain reliever, this would be the number one herb in terms of 
uh, relieving pain. So in, invigorates blood, moves chi. So again, we're we're moving both chi and blood. So we're treating with dealing with chi stagnation plus blood stasis. But specific action is Yanhu Suo stops pain. Uh, for pain due to chi and blood stagnation, because it's dealing with both uh, chi stagnation and blood stasis, and especially for uh, pain in the chest, uh, stomach pain, or painful menses. So all of those conditions where we might have pain due to chi stagnation and blood stasis, we can use Yanhu Suo. Um, this one, we do have a specific preparation that's common to use where we can uh, prepare Yanhu Suo with vinegar to enhance its action of stopping pain. I think when you look in Bensky, there are actual uh, several different preparations that we can uh, prepare it with wine, with alcohol or wine, and I believe that makes it ascend to the head because, you know, alcohol goes to your head and makes your face turn red. It has an ascending action. We can uh, prepare it with salt, and remember, salt goes to the kidney. The kidneys are in the lower jowl, so that's especially good for lower jowl pain, I think is what he said. But I think by far the most common is the vinegar-prepared one. Vinegar is sour. That goes to the liver, so it's going to enhance its ability to invigorate blood and relieve pain. And then here, um, sorry, I don't remember those other preparations very well, but what I do remember is Bensky does have this special note where he talks about the the availability of the alkaloids that are in Yanhu Suo. So we've actually identified the pain relieving alkaloids in ya, in the plant Yanhu Suo. And I get I think it was something like when you cook the raw herb Yanhu Suo and drink the decoction, you get like 25% uh, availability or absorption. But if you stir fry it in vinegar and then take it, that basically doubles it. It goes up to like 49%. So you're basically doubling the availability of these pain relieving alkaloids in Yanhu Suo. So I, I think that Yanhu Suo is by or the, the vinegar prepared Yanhu Suo is by far the most common preparation. And I think that a lot of people will actually just by default use the vinegar prepared Yanhu Suo, that they'll just always use Tzu Chao Yanhu Suo and instead of the raw form, just because it has that better pain relieving action. This one is contraindicated during pregnancy. Um, I think the other thing I say down here is Yanhu Suo is, it's our closest thing in Chinese medicine to a painkiller. And it's actually in the same uh, genus or same family as opium or the poppy plant. Um, and so I'm not saying that Yanhu Suo is the same as opium. Uh, it's not going to cause you to test positive on any drug tests or anything like that. Um, it's not as strong as opium. It's not as it's not addictive like opium. But that's just something I use to remember that Yanhu Suo is a pain reliever because they are in the same family, even though they're they're still very different. So it's not going to be addictive. It's not going to have a, a strong inaction. Uh, of pain relieving, but that's just something I remember to know that Yanhu Suo does have a pain relieving action. Um, I did once have a patient. I mean, she she was a friend and a and a student, um, but she had uh, she had endometriosis, and so uh, a very uh, intense pain in the lower abdomen. And so I actually got some uh, vinegar prepared Yanhu Suo and ground it up into a powder and made it into pills so that she could take for this. Um, we could say painful menses. It was uh, endometriosis pain, like sharp stabbing pain, characteristic of blood stasis, and usually happened uh, right before the period. Um, 
so basically she would she would uh, take these pills and she did say that they took longer to take effect it would be she would take one and it might take you know 15 minutes or half an hour before they had an effect but it was um, more consistent and more longer lasting it's usually she would take them when she couldn't get to sleep because of the because of the pain so she would take some yan and that would that was enough that she could actually sleep um, and she liked it better because that actually the pills were actually cheaper than her than her prescribed uh, painkillers. So like I think the prescription she got it was like several dollars per pill. So she preferred it. She was a student, so she preferred to take the the Yanhuswil also because it was a more cost effective solution. So that's Yanhuswil. The name means extended barbarian rope. So who means barbarian. Uh, it usually applies to herbs that are found outside of China. So remember we said the same thing with like Chai Hu. Huluba is one we'll learn later. But anyway, this character Hu comes up in a lot of our names. It means barbarian. Also, this also this has a um, there's an interesting note about the name of this where it used to be called like uh, Xuan Hu Tzu, but then. In the Qing Dynasty, there was an emperor, and it turns out there's this thing that when an emperor has a certain name, uh, you can no longer use that Chinese character for anything else. It can only apply to the name of the emperor, so they had to change the name of the herb uh, in order to not create a taboo with it. That's not important right now. The name of this herb is Yanhu Suo, Extended Barbarian Rope. Yijin Curcuma Radix. Yijin uh, Curcuma Radix. This is another one that we could say it's a good pain reliever. Um, but with this one, we say it invigorates blood, moves liver chi, and stops pain. So here I said, um, I put this note here about moves liver chi because if you look in Bensky or in any of the other books, what it will actually say is Yijin invigorates blood and relieves constraint. Or Wiseman and Brand say it relieves depression, but kind of like what we talked about in the uh, regulate chi category that um, when we say constraint, chi constraint, that's like a systemic chi stagnation that's due to the liver not performing its function of uh, free coursing. Or when we say depressed liver chi, we're talking about the liver is not uh, moving the chi of the entire body. And that's what we're talking about here. So I just said moves liver chi, but we're talking about liver constraint or depressed liver chi like we talked about in the regulate chi category. So this, this one is a good pain reliever, especially for injury and trauma. And this is also for painful menses, clumping and pain in the chest and abdomen. And basically this is especially good for uh, when these conditions are due to constrained liver chi. So it's like if the, if the liver is crapping out and the liver is not perform its function of dredging and draining and moving the chi, we end up with liver chi constraint. Once the liver chi becomes constrained, it's very likely that the blood will become static as well and we can cause these things. And so uh, that's where eugene is especially useful. And it's also when there's liver chi stagnation transforming into heat because remember, uh, look that this is a uh, cool or cold herb as well. So it's uh, invigorating blood, relieving constraint, but it's also cold in temperature. Besides that, um, speaking of its cold temperature, Eugene also clears heat and cools the blood, and this is especially for bleeding conditions. Remember we said that heat is one of the causes of bleeding, so this is for nosebleed, vomiting blood, blood in the urine, and especially for nosebleed at the onset of menstruation, or this is called inverted menses. 
I'm not sure how common you'll see this, but I, I think this is just a kind of a funny thing. Uh, this is uh, in Chinese, it's called Daojing, uh, inverted menses, or Nijing, counterflow menses. And this is, like I said, bleeding at the onset of menses. So I have seen this once or twice where uh, a patient that they're just like part of their PMS symptoms was they started having nosebleeds uh, a few days before their period starts. And so basically this is an example of bleeding due to heat. When heat gets into the blood, it can um, cause the blood to speed up and move recklessly outside of the vessels. And so Eugene is a really good one for this. Uh, basically, when, when I've seen this condition happen in real life, it is the person just constitutionally has a lot of liver chi stagnation. So what will happen is the person on their own, they just have a lot of liver chi stagnation or liver chi constraint, and it gets especially bad right before the period because that's when there's a lot of chi and blood and things aren't moving, so that constraint gets even worse, and that constraint turns into heat. When that heat gets into the blood, it ascends up and causes a nosebleed. Um, uh, so that's what we're talking about with Eugene. That, that's the... That's the way I've seen this occur is like there's already some liver chi constraint. That constraint turns into heat. That heat turns into bleeding. So Eugene is especially useful because it's invigorating blood, cooling the blood, and also dealing with that liver constraint. Eugene also transforms phlegm, but this is not for coughing up sputum. This is not for phlegm in the lung. This is specifically for Shen problems due to insubstantial phlegm heat misting the heart orifices. So this will manifest as things like mania withdrawal or epilepsy. Um, so transforms insubstantial phlegm uh, and calms the Shen. And then we also say that Eugene relieves jaundice. And so some books will say it benefits the gallbladder. But when we say benefits the gallbladder, we're basically talking about jaundice due to damp heat. But this can also include gallstones as well. And so I just bring this up because I, a few people have said when they've taken boards, they've gotten uh, some questions about herbs that are good for stones. So if you remember a couple categories ago, we talked about Jin Qian Sao, gold coin leaf, was very good for uh, dissolving stones, both kidney stones and gallstones. Well, here we have another one, Eugene. Uh, it's not good for kidney, it's only good for gallstones, but we'd usually combine it with other herbs like Jin Qian Sao, Jin Jin, or herbs like that to deal specifically with stones. Use caution during pregnancy. Eugene, the name means constrained gold. Gold is referring to its uh, yellowish color. And then E is actually that word for constraint. So back in that uh, regulate chi category, when we talked about chi jur, chi stagnation, and then we said there's another type called chi e, chi constraint or depressed chi, that's the same E as in chi, chi constraint. So maybe when you see E there, if you know your Chinese, that will help you remember that E gene is good for liver chi constraint. And then just note that E fourth tone means constraint, but E first tone means stasis. So those two are not the same. So when you talk about shui E blood stasis, that's different from qi E qi constraint. Those are two different characters that are pronounced differently. So don't get those confused. E gene uh, means constrained gold, so it's good for blood stasis due to liver chi constraint. So think about liver chi constraint causing blood stasis. Think about liver chi constraint causing pain. Think about liver chi constraint 
transforming into heat and causing bleeding, or liver chi constraint can even cause insubstantial phlegm. That's another thing we talked about in the uh, phlegm category, that if that chi is constrained, it can, it can uh, go into phlegm. When that, chi is when that liver chi is constrained, it can cause damp heat in the liver gallbladder, giving you jaundice and gallstone. So Eugene, all of its actions kind of center around that idea of liver constraint. So maybe that's a way you can remember all the actions of Eugene. Another painkiller is Jiang Huang Curcumi Longi Rhizoma. Jiang Huang, this is turmeric or turmeric, depending on how you say it. I think that's maybe a thing where people say February, even though it's spelled February. Anyway, uh, turmeric or turmeric. Uh, this is another one that's very good for pain. So it invigorates blood and moves qi. So removing both qi and blood to stop pain. And this one, we specifically say it has a downward action, that when it moves chi and blood, it moves things downward. It has that bitter flavor. The acrid flavor moves and disperses, and the bitter flavor, it moves it downward. So especially for chest or abdominal pain, painful menses, or amenorrhea. So some books will actually say that they'll call this action, it unblocks the menses. So instead of just saying invigorates blood and moves chi, they'll say it unblocks the menses for these type of menstruation issues. And it's especially for... Um, when we have these menstruation issues due to blood stasis caused by deficiency cold. So again, we said that cold is a cause of blood stasis. So you can maybe remember that uh, Jiang Huang is warm in temperature. And so it's good for blood stasis due to deficiency cold. It's also for pain due to injury and trauma. And then Jiang Huang also treats B syndrome. So for wind cold damp B syndrome with blood, sta uh, blood st uh, stagnation or blood stasis, and again, that these two go together very commonly, that we can have a wind-cold damp pathogen blocking the channels, but that will also slow down the movement of blood as well. So it's very common that we have those two together, and this is especially for shoulder pain. Uh, Jiang Huang is turmeric. Um, so because it invigorates blood and because it moves downward, this means it's contraindicated during pregnancy. Uh, Jiang Huang is turmeric. The name literally means ginger yellow. So remember the term jiang means ginger. I think we saw this before with fresh ginger is shengjiang. Uh, later we'll learn galangal root is gaoliangjiang. So that's another ginger type thing. But if you've ever seen a uh, fresh turmeric in the in the store, in the market, it looks very similar to ginger root when it's, when it's in its whole form, at least to me, um, because I don't do a lot of, of uh, cooking with fresh uh, with fresh turmeric uh, to me they look very similar that ginger root and turmeric look similar just one is more yellow but maybe if you know this you can think that ginger is warm and at the same time jiang huang is also warm in temperature and so that's why it's because it's warm in temperature it's good for blood stasis due to deficiency cold. So maybe that's how you can remember that, that Jiang Huang is a kind of a type of ginger, so it's warm, it's good for pain, but also because it's uh, warm, it's good for B syndrome because it, you can think turmeric is good for inflammation, so that's like B syndrome and shoulder pain. So maybe that's how you can remember Jiang Huang. Can't remember if there's anything else I was going to say about that, but that's turmeric. Oh, so basically, uh, we learned three in a row that are very good pain relievers. So Yanhu Suo, Yi Jin, and Jiang Huang are all very good pain relieving herbs. What I would remember here is that 
the first one, Yan Hu Suo, and this one, Jiang Huang, those ones are warm in temperature. The middle one, Yi Jin, was cold in temperature. So that's another way I would differentiate these is by temperature. Yan Hu Suo and Jiang Huang are warm in temperature. Yi Jin is cold in temperature. Yi Mu Cao, Leonuri Erba, Yi Mu Cao. Sorry, this one, this one is difficult when we have two third tones in a row. The first one has to change into a second tone. So, Yi Mu Cao, Leonuri Erba. Yi Mu Cao means benefiting mother herb or benefit mother grass. And so I point that out because if you know that the name of this herb is benefit your mother, benefit the mother herb, then that can hopefully help you remind you that this is for OBGYN conditions. This is for menstruation issues. So uh, emutes out invigorates blood and we just very specifically say regulates menses. So it's for OBGYN conditions like irregular menses, premenstrual abdominal pain, heavy menses with clots, infertility, postpartum abdominal pain. So benefiting mother herb is good for menstruation issues. Emutsa uh, also promotes urination for limb syndrome or acute edema. So when there's edema and blood stagnation happening at the same time or when there's blood in the urine. So maybe you can think that your mother also has a UTI. And then clears heat toxicity, especially for abscess and sores or dry, itchy rash due to damp heat. This one you can use internally, like you cook it into a decoction and drink it, or you can use use it topically as a fresh herb, kind of like we, like we said about dandelion, where you can make it into a poultice and apply it topically. Um, yeah, emu tsao means benefiting mother grass. It's important for treating OBGYN conditions, but even that, it's contraindicated during pregnancy. Emu tsao. Zilan, I think, is very similar. Um, it, uh, Zilan lycopi herba invigorates blood, also for painful menses, postpartum abdominal pain due to blood stasis. And this is another one that we say it's very gentle and harmonious. So it's it moves, but it moves things gently enough that you won't injure the patient. It won't disperse the upright chi, and it won't um, won't cause won't cause too many problems. It's also for pain and swelling due to injury and trauma. You can use it internally in a decoction or apply it topically. Zulan also promotes urination to treat edema. For edema, postpartum edema, or Lynn syndrome, but this one is mild. It would never be a chief herb in a formula. You'd only use it as an adjunctive herb or add it on at the end of the formula for urination issues. So uh, use caution during pregnancy. So Zilan means marsh orchid. I'm not sure if that's helpful at all. But Zilan, I, I would again remember uh, menstruation issues, but very gentle and harmonious. Churshao, Pioni Radix Rubra. Churshao, Pioni Radix Rubra. This is red peony root. So the things we want to know about Churshao is it invigorates blood and it cools the blood. Those are the things we need to know. So Churshao is slightly cold. It's, uh, oh, we say it's sour and bitter. Never mind. Let's not talk about that. So Churshao invigorates blood, so it's for painful menses and amenorrhea or for pain due to injury and trauma. So Churshao invigorates blood, but what makes it stand out is that it also clears heat and cools the blood as well. So these two things together make this a very useful herb for certain situ situations. 
So for one, we say this is for Shui level heat. And when I say Shui level heat, we're talking about the four stages of the Wen Bing. So if you remember back in herbs one, we had that category of herbs that clear heat. One of our subcategories there was herbs that cool the blood. And there we were talking about heat entering the blood level. So it went Wei level, Qi level, Ying level, Shui level. Uh, so Shui level heat, the heat penetrated through all those four aspects, got to the blood level where when it gets to the blood level, the heat causes the blood to speed up and move frenetically outside of the vessels. So our main symptoms of Shui level heat are bleeding conditions. And so um, that's what Churchill does when we say it's good for Shui level heat. That's what we're talking about. Some books will actually put Churchill in that category, herbs that cool the blood. But we, besides just Shui level heat where you're like bleeding out of your eye sockets and stuff, this is also good for uh, OBGYN conditions due to heat in the blood. So if you have a lot of, if a patient has a lot of heat, maybe they have heavy menses or prolonged menses due to that heat. So Churchill will also cool the blood there. Um, but basically this common, this this combination of functions makes this very useful that well, on the one hand, it's very easy that if you have blood stasis, that will eventually turn into heat. So having something that both invigorates blood and cools the blood is very useful. But this is also going to be very useful when you talk about our Shui level heat. Like we said, that heat can lead to blood stasis as well. When that heat gets into the blood, it boils the blood or dries out the blood and cause, causes blood stasis. So especially when we're talking about Wen Bing patterns, when that heat gets into the blood, that is something that we have to worry about, that that heat is uh, boiling the blood and causing blood stasis. So we not only have to clear heat and cool the blood, we also need to invigorate blood. So when we look at our um, formulas for that, we're not only using things like you know, back in the day, they used rhinoceros horn. We use water buffalo horn, and then we use herbs like sheng di huang or shuan shen to cool the blood. We're also going to use herbs like uh, mudan pi and chi shao to invigorate blood because that's part of that shui level heat pattern. So this is going to be an important wen bing herb. Uh, the other thing we can uh, uh, say about this is you can think about Churchill and Mudan P together. So uh, basically Mudan P, Mutan Cortex had similar actions, but Mudan P is in the cool the blood category, but it also invigorates blood. Churchill is in the invigorate blood category, but it also cools the blood. But we use them together because we have those similar functions. The other thing we can say is Shao means peony. So back in the day, they just said Shaoyao, peony root. They just, they, there's a peony plant and that's the root they used. Later on, they started differentiating between red peony and white peony. So red peony, Churchill cools the blood. White peony, Bai Shao, tonifies blood. So later next semester, we're going to learn Bai Shao. Um, and so that's, that's an herb that we use to tonify blood. But it's going to be very common when you get into formula class. It's, you're going to see formulas where it just lists the ingredient as Shaoyao. And so we just have to know that that's peony root. And then we have to look at the formula and decide which version of peony root do we want to use. Do we want to use red peony, Churchill, or do you want to use white peony, Bai Shao? which one is more appropriate for the context. So if you see things about Shaoyao, don't get confused. Shaoyao is just our generic name for peony. Next we start, uh, we have a bunch of herbs that we tend to talk about in pairs, that they're Dweyao pairs. I think we use the term 
not mutually, re- I think Wiseman says mutually reinforcing, uh, Bensky I think says mutually enhancing, but these are herbs that they have very similar functions and so we tend to use them together to reinforce each other. Um, sorry, quick question here. Uh, Shui level heat signs include bleeding out of the eye sockets. N- not really, that was just, uh, I was kind of joking. Uh, go to... Uh, look at the video on herbs that cool the blood that will talk about shui level heat. There's also a handout on the website that talks about um, shui level heat, but it, that is a situation where heat is entering the blood level, causing the blood to speed up so it moves frenetically or recklessly outside of the vessels. So you might see things like bloodshot eyes or nosebleed, but I think it's more like vomiting blood, uh, coughing up blood, blood in the urine, blood in the stool, and we'll also see distinct purple rashes that's bleeding under the skin. So there's so those are some signs of shui level heat. Again, remember when we talked about ying level heat at the nutritive level, we might see faint indistinct rashes, but when the heat gets into the shui level, we see um, uh, distinct, definite purpuric rashes that basically it's like it's purple rashes due to bleeding under the skin. So that was one of our symptoms for shui level heat. So uh, go back and look at the category on herbs that cool the blood. But anyway, so we have these herbs that we learn in uh, pairs. So our first pair here is Taozhen and Honghua. Taozhen is peach kernel. Honghua is safflower. These are both just very generic herbs that invigorate blood. We use the, they're kind of all-purpose blood invigorators, kind of like Chuan Chong. We can use them for any conditions of blood stasis. If we wanted to differentiate them, we could say that Honghua is better for blood stasis in the upper body, whereas Taoren is better for blood stasis in the lower body. So maybe you can think that flowers are light. Flowers are light and ascending, so they go to the upper body and treat blood stasis in the upper body. Whereas seeds are downbearing, seeds are heavy and descending, so they're better for blood stasis in the lower body. So we put the two together and we can treat blood stasis anywhere in the body. So Taoren and Honghua are often used together as paired herbs. If we want to look at them individually, Taoren is peach kernel and uh, it invigorates blood. This one has a strong action. We actually say it breaks the blood. So it's not just harmonizing the blood or quickening the blood, enlivening the blood, and transforming stasis. Taoren actually breaks the blood. And this is for a variety of disorders due to blood stasis. So it's kind of blood stasis anywhere in the body. It's just very commonly used to use these two together. And then Taoren also has an action of moistening the large intestine to gently relieve constipation. And again, it's a zhen, it's a seed or a kernel. So that means it has certain oils in it that can lubricate the large intestine to treat constipation. Remember, we saw the same thing with Xingren in the stop cough category. So Xingren is apricot seed. It stops, stops cough, but it also moistens the large intestine. Taoren is peach seed. It invigorates blood, but it also moistens the large intestine. Later, when we get into formula class, we'll see... Basically, we have two formulas that moisten the intestines to treat constipation. One is Matsuren Wan, hemp seed pill, and one is Runchong Wan, uh, moisten the intestines pill. One of them uses Taoren and one of them uses Xingren. I don't remember which one is which, but those herbs are not there to stop cough or invigorate blood. Those herbs are there to moisten the large intestine to gently relieve constipation because they're seeds. Uh, Taoren is peach kernel and it's toxic in larger dosages. I think we said the same thing about Xingren, apricot seed, um, and we uh, usually use Taoren and Honghuang together. Both are contraindicated during pregnancy. This one not only uh, invigorates blood, we say it breaks the blood. So don't use it during pregnancy. 
Honghua Karthami Karthami floss. Honghua Karthami floss is safflower. Um, I'm not sure if we use safflower very much. There's a there's like a a, a higher quality, stronger version, which is saffron. So I think saffron is is more commonly used in cooking, and that and that actually has a I think it has a stronger action of invigorating the blood. It's just it's very expensive if you've ever made like a let's say it's like in biryani rice or it's in, in certain dishes where you use saffron. It gives it a nice color and a nice smell. Anyway, Honghua is safflower, invigorates blood, again, for a variety of disorders, uh, but especially for painful menses, amenorrhea, uh, menstruation issues. Uh, so again, Honghua and Tao Ren are often used together. Um, sometimes we'll just say Tao Hong to refer to this pair. So later we'll learn a formula called Tao Hong Su Wu Tong, and it's these two herbs used together. Tao and Hong Hua are often used together. They're both contraindicated during pregnancy. The name literally means red flower. So Chu means red, and Hong also means red. So Hong Hua just means red flower. It's a red flower. Another pair we'll see used together are Uju and San Lung, curcumin rhizoma and spargani rhizoma. So Uju and San Lung are often used together as paired herbs, and these are for masses and accumulations or fixed abdominal masses. So if you remember that slide in the very beginning when we talked about Wiseman and Brands separating these out, separating these herbs out in different different categories. If you go back to that, you'll see that Uju uh, and San Lung are in the same uh, subcategory for masses, accumulations, or dispersing, dispersing concretions and conglomerations. So anyway, fixed abdominal masses due to uh, blood stasis. We often use them together, but if we wanted to differentiate them all, we could say that San Lung has a stronger action of invigorating blood or breaking the blood, whereas Uju breaks the Qi. So San Lung, they both have a very strong moving action to the extent that we say they break the blood, uh, but we could say that San Lung acts more on the blood and Uju acts more on the Qi, but that's probably good because we probably have the two that go together that we want to... Uh, move both chi and blood at the same time. So Uju curcuma rhizoma strongly invigorates blood. We uh, go a step further to say it breaks the blood or breaks up blood stasis. And again, the specialty here is for um, abdominal masses due to blood stasis. We usually say pain and fixed abdominal masses or palpable abdominal masses in, in the abdomen. They can also be used for painful menses and amenorrhea. Um, but Uju also moves chi and disperses accumulations, as in it breaks the chi. So it not only breaks the blood, it breaks the chi as well. And um, so we can use this for like accumulations, like those those masses. But this can also be used for food stagnation. Remember, we said the same thing about Qing Pi. Citri reticulati veridae pericarpium. Qing Pi is unripe tangerine peel. So that's another one that we said it breaks the chi and when we say breaks the chi we are using it for abdominal masses but we could also use it for severe food accumulation or food stagnation as well so that's just reminded me of ching pi so i wanted to bring that up sometimes we use these together uh, so uju and song lung are often used together uju it can also be used for the chi but they uh they're contraindicated during pregnancy because if you're breaking the chi and breaking the blood probably going to cause a miscarriage San Lung, Spargani rhizoma, uh, again, has pretty much the same functions. It's just that this one, we say it breaks the blood, but not, it doesn't have that strong action on, on the chi. So San Lung and Uju 
used together have pretty much the same actions. Their specialty is abdominal masses or concretions and conglomerations. If you really wanted to, you can remember that Uju also works on the chi, whereas San Lung is better for the blood, but we use them together. They have the same actions. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much about it. They're contraindicated during pregnancy. Uh, San Lung means three edges, um, and that's referring to the shape of the leaves. So I don't know, maybe when I, when I say that three edges, I think of like a, a spearhead and you're stabbing and maybe that can make you think of breaking the blood or I, I don't know. Another pair, Ruxiang and Mo Yao, that are often uh, pretty much always used together. Ruxiang and Mo Yao, this is frankincense and myrrh. These are both tree saps. So when you see them here, this is a sap that came out of a tree. You can think that the sap of a tree is like the blood of a tree. And so that's why it's really good for invigorating blood. But that sap hardens into uh, Ruxiang and Mo Yao. And we use these together because they have a common action of regenerating flesh. So this could be for um, injury and trauma, help to not only invigorate the blood to help with the swelling and pain, but also regenerate flesh. Or this could be for like non-healing sores. If you have long-standing wounds and sores that are ulcerations that just won't close and just won't heal, we can use Ruxiang Mo Yao, either take it internally uh, in decoction or apply it externally. If we want to differentiate them, we could say there's a qi and blood difference where Ruxiang is a little bit better at moving qi, whereas Mo Yao is a little bit better at moving blood. But pretty much in all applications, we use them together to move blood and regenerate flesh. So Ruxiang is frankincense, so it invigorates blood and moves qi, so we're moving both qi and blood. It's for pain, injury, and trauma. We can use it for painful menses, blah, 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 all the pain things. It can be used externally or topically, but I'd say main application is it um, used for injury and trauma. It also relaxes sinews and unblocks the channels to treat B syndrome. So we said the same thing about like, remember, Ji Shui Tong, refer to that conversation. So it's also treating B syndrome. But then uh, I think really the function that makes it stand out, it has an action of promotes a regeneration flesh or regenerates flesh or it's good for injury and trauma and for non-healing sores. So the fact that we... Um, the fact that it both uh, invigorates blood, moves chi in blood, stops pain, and it regenerates flesh, that makes it very useful for injury and trauma. So we can use, we can use it topically. Um, usually what we'll do is we would add it to certain uh, liniments like dit de jowls. You could dissolve it in alcohol and then it can be applied topically to injury and trauma. It can be taken internally. Um, and then it can also either injury and trauma or uh, chronic non-healing sores. Um, I want to be careful about how I say this, but w when I think about the chronic non-healing sores, I think about especially like old people. Uh, it, it's very common to get like sores or injuries on like the feet and ankles, and they just take a long time to heal. I see that happen with um, older patients or especially diabetic patients that they, they get these wounds and they just don't heal. And that's because the blood circulation in that area is just not very good. And so you can maybe think about Ruxiang and Mo Yao invigorating blood, um, helping with that blood circulation and helping with those uh, chronic ulcerated non-healing sores or non-healing wounds. Um, contraindicated during pregnancy. Oh, and this one, because it's a sap, you don't you don't boil it like a decoction. You melt it in at the end. So um, this is like it takes a while. It doesn't melt very easily, um, but it takes a while to dissolve. But it's kind of like if you just 
cooked it with the rest of the herbs, either it's going to just melt and stick to the, the herbs, or more likely it's going to sink to the bottom and melt to the bottom of the pot and just burn on the bottom of your pot. So if you're using this in a formula, you would cook your other herbs, strain the decoction, and then stir in and constantly stir the ruxiang and mo yao to let it dissolve into there. Um, ruxiang means milk fragrance. So I, I, th I think the, the reason it has this name is, again, it's a tree sap. So it's like you would stab uh, stab the tree and the sap would come out. And instead of looking like maple syrup, it looks white. It looks milky white and it's very fragrant. And um, because uh, frankincense is also used as incense. Um, so it's very fragrant. And But then it would uh, dry and solidify into what you see over there. Mo Yao, pretty much, uh, Mo Yao is myrrh, pretty much the same actions, that it invigorates blood, but here we say it's working more on the blood, not on the qi. So if you wanted to differentiate them, you could say Ru Xiang also moves qi, whereas Mo Yao is working more strongly on the blood. But again, for pain, injury, and trauma, can use it internally in a decoction or apply it topically, and it promotes the regeneration of the flesh for those same sorts of things. It's contraindicated during pregnancy. And then, so the thing about the, these is they're a sap that can be very irritating. And so that's something just to keep in mind that um, if you apply it externally, it can irritate the skin. So that's something to um, to think about. But also if you put it into coction and take it internally, it can very easily irritate the stomach lining as well. So that's something you have to, if your patient comes back and they're like, this makes me nauseous, you might need to use a lower dosage. They're both contraindicated during pregnancy. Ruxiang and Mo Yao are frankincense and myrrh. So um, maybe frankincense and myrrh can make you think of Jesus. And Jesus had something about uh, flesh and blood. And Jesus healed people. So maybe frankincense and myrrh can help you think of re uh, invigorating blood, regenerating flesh, and healing things that are difficult to heal. Nyo Shi, this is a fun one. Nyo Shi, Acaranthus biden radix. Nyo Shi, Acaranthus biden. The Nyo Shi, it uh, invigorates blood. Uh, but this is another one that when you say invigorates blood, it specifically moves downward in direction. And so guides blood downward, especially for uh, menstruation issues, painful menses, amenorrhea, or retention of lochia or lochiostasis. So these are all situations where we have blood uh, stagnating in the lower jowl, and we not only want to move it, we want to move it down and out to get those things out. So important to know it has this function. It also tonifies liver and kidney yin to strengthen tendon and bone. So this could be for... Um, uh, pain in the low back and knees, either due to deficiency or for B syndrome. So again, when we talked about our B syndrome category, this is one of our strategies for treating B syndrome is we tonify liver and kidney yin to strengthen tendon and bone. So we can say Nyo Shi has this action of tonifying liver and kidney yin to strengthen tendon and bone. The liver belongs to the tendon, the kidney belongs to the bone. That's why we say it that way. And so either if the person just has yin deficiency, they tend to have bad low back and knees because of the yin deficiency and so it could do it that way or if they have that that deficiency it's very they become very susceptible to an invasion of wind dampness so that's the way it treats b syndrome tonifies liver and kidney into strength tendon bone descends upper body heat so another part of its downward direction is it can descend heat in the upper body or um guide the heat downward or return the heat to its source. So when we have dizziness, headache, nosebleed, and things like that, heat signs in the upper body, especially when it's due to liver yang rising, Neo Shi can take that heat and guide it back downwards. 
Um, because we, we want some nice warm Ming Men fire in the lower jowl. We don't want that heat in the upper body. So Neoshi can divide, uh, descend that downward, guide it downward. Also promotes urination for damp heat in the lower jowl. So for knee pain, uh, hot Lin syndrome, difficult, painful urination, and for vaginal discharge. And so I think this is kind of funny. Like usually when we talk about damp heat in the lower jowl, we're talking about like vaginal discharge or uh, painful urination. But it turns out knee pain can also, that damp heat in the lower jowl can pour down into the knees and, call, and ca cause hot knee pain. So that's another action here. Um, so the fun thing about this is Nyo Shi means ox knees. So Nyo means ox. Uh, like Shui Nyo Jiao is water buffalo. So Nyo means ox or buffalo. Shui Nyo Jiao is water buffalo horn. Um, Nyo Bangza, I think that Nyo also means ox. Anyway, Nyo Shi means ox knees. Nyo Shi will make your knees as strong as an ox. And so maybe this is a way you can remember its functions. You can think that... Number one, ox knees. Uh, so Nyoshi strengthens your knees. Uh, it tonifies liver and kidney in to strengthen tendon and bone, especially for your knees. You can also remember that your knees are in your lower body. So when it invigorates blood, it moves the blood downward. You can also remember that your knees are in your lower body. So it also descends upper body heat. So those are the things we need to know about Nyoshi. Um, it turns out there are two types of Nyoshi. We have Qian, Chuan Nyoshi and Huan Nyoshi. And these are just from different um, places. So Chuan means uh, Sichuan. I actually don't remember where Huai is from. But anyway, there, there are two different versions. So Chuan Nyoshi is better at invigorating blood. Um, but Huan Yoshi is better at everything else. So if you just really want to invigorate blood, use Chuan Yoshi. But if you want to take advantage of these other actions of tonifying liver and kidney in to strengthen tendon and bone or descending upper body heat, you should probably use Huan Yoshi. If somebody just says Nyoshi, you should assume they mean Huan Yoshi. If they want the other one, you have to specifically say Chuan Yoshi. But it's good to differentiate in your formulas. Think about what you're doing because we will see... Nyoshi uh, used along others alongside other B uh, B syndrome herbs like um, Du Huo and Sang Ji Sheng. So this shows up in the formula Du Huo Ji Sheng Tong. So it is used. In, so in that case, if you're trying to treat the B syndrome or strengthen low back or strengthen tendon and bone, you'll want to use Huan Yoshi. If you have someone with um, their period is late or they have amenorrhea and you want to make the period happen, you would probably use Chuan Yoshi because it has a stronger action of invigorating blood. Wang Bu Liu Xing, the Karya semen. This one also has an interesting name. Wang Bu Liu Xing, the Karya seed. So Wang Bu Liu Xing invigorates blood. I think here we should pay attention to two things. Number one, it promotes lactation. So by getting things moving, um, it can promote lactation uh, for poor lactation due to blood stagnation. So basically, uh, if you have a patient who is not producing enough uh, breast milk or they're not lactating the way they want to, uh, there are two possibilities and they usually go together. Either there's some deficiency that there's not enough blood to produce the breast milk or there's some stagnation that the breast milk is there, but it's just not coming out. So Wang Bu Liu Xing is specifically for by virtue of its invigorating properties, it can promote uh, lactation. And then there's another one that unblocks the menses for amenorrhea due to blood stasis. So for amenorrhea, painful menses, irregular menses due to blood stasis. So 
Um, those are the two things I would think about with Wangbu Liuxing is promotes lactation and good for menstruation issues. Also for painful swelling, especially swelling of the breasts or testicles. Again, you can think about um, stag uh, blood stasis causing these things. The liver channel, remember, the liver channel wraps around the the genitals, and the liver channel also goes to the breasts, so that could also cause problems there. And promotes urination for linser. We have so many herbs that promote urination. So I would remember um, promotes lactation and unblocks menses. And so the name of this one is interesting. Wang means king. So this is like a king or emperor. Uh, this is one of the most common Chinese last names. So if you ever if you ever meet a Chinese person, don't call them Wang. It's pronounced Wang. Uh, means king or emperor. Bu means not. Liu means like to to stop or to check or to restrain and xing means to move or to walk so when you put that together wang bu liu xing means even the king cannot stop its movement or even the king cannot restrain its movement so kind of the idea here is normally if you were out running around and you saw the king like walking down the street you would be required to stop and bow because he's the king but the but with Wang Bu Liuxing, it has such a moving nature that even if the king comes by, it won't stop. Wang Bu Liuxing just always keeps moving. And so that's why we call we say even the king cannot stop it from walking or even the king cannot stop its movement. That's how good it is at movement, movement and invigorating, quickening and enlivening. Um, this is also uh, ear seeds. Like so when you uh, do the do the regular ear seeds, Vicaria seeds, that's this is Wang Bu Liuxing. That's not related to its properties or anything like that. I think we just use it because it's it's hard and a convenient size. Um, so Wang Buliuxing is also ear seeds, and it's contraindicated during pregnancy because it has such a strong invigorating property. Ulingjur, I want to say this is our last one. Ulingjur trogopterori feces. Ulingjur trogopterori feces. This is flying squirrel feces. Um, and before you get too excited, if you like have a pet flying squirrel, this is a very specific species of flying squirrel in China. You can't just use any flying squirrel. It has to be a it's a specific flying squirrel that you use its feces. So don't just go around eating any flying squirrel feces. You need the you need the Chinese version. But this one it invigorates blood, and this is another one you can say its specialty is stopping pain. So if we look back to that. Uh, that first slide at the very beginning where we divided up the herbs, Ulinger is in that category of herbs that stop pain, but it's also especially useful for painful menses. So I think it's it, this kind of does both of them where it's it's good for in it's good for stopping pain, but it's also which our main application of uh, is in painful menses. So um, it also invigorates blood to stop bleeding. Uh, so again, we when we talked about our stop bleeding category, we said uh, one of our causes of bleeding is blood stasis. So by invigorating blood, it's not only treating the pain, it can also treat bleeding. And so especially for heavy or prolonged menses due to blood stagnation. So again, stagnation can cause bleeding. So here we can... And again, these two kind of go together. I mean, if you have blood stasis and you have bleeding and heavy menses, that blood stasis is also probably going to be causing you sharp stabbing pain. So we're doing both at the same time. And this one, we uh, prefer to use chow, uh, charred, um, 
charred uh, flying squirrel feces. Remember we, in that stop bleeding category, we said if we want to enhance an herb's ability to stop bleeding, we use it in its charred form. So here we call that chow, which just means like roasted, but basically you roast it until it starts to scorch. And so it's basically charred, even though we, we don't say oolinger tan, we usually say chow oolinger. So use it in its charred form. And I think Bensky has a note that when like when you uh, char it or when you dry fry it or char it, that also takes away the offensive odor. So maybe you just wanna, um, maybe you wanna use chow oolinger anyway so it doesn't smell. Treats childhood nutritional impairment. This is one of those like who thought of that? Like, so when we talk about childhood nutritional impairment, remember we talked about this in the yin deficiency category where we talked about like five delay syndrome or the five latencies. Um, and basically it's, it would, it would kind of be like a Western diagnosis of failure to thrive. And so I think the, the five delays are like delayed walking, delayed talking, delayed teething, delayed closing of the fontanelle, delayed, um, b basically failure, uh, the a, a child is not hitting its growth markers usually because of nutritional impairment and so somewhere along the way somebody is like hey let's give them flying squirrel feces uh this one when you decoct it uh it's recommended to put it in a, a tea bag or a cloth bag or wrap it in gauze basically if you boil it by itself they will turn the decoction muddy so you want to um, put it in a tea bag and this is uh contraindicated during pregnancy I guess this is an interesting note. Um, Oolinger uh, should not be used together with Renshen. Uh, we say that um, it's not an incompatibility. Uh, one of the words is uh, we say Oolinger uh, antagonizes, or I was trying to think of the word antagonizes. I think uh, the, the literal Chinese is uh, mutual fear, that when two herbs fear each other, um, it basically, the, when you use these together, it will cancel out the properties. So when we talk about uh, two herbs being incompatible, we mean that when we put those two herbs together, it will cause side effects. So we definitely want to avoid that. When we say that two herbs antagonize each other or fear each other, what we mean is one herb will cancel out the positive benefits of the other herb. So like if you were taking ginseng root, ginseng is very good at tonifying chi, but it's very expensive. If you put wulinger in it, it will uh, lower ginseng's effectiveness so we would want to avoid that combination so there are 18 incompatibilities and 19 fears or 19 antagonisms and this is one of them i think we said another one was a uh, lifutsa radish seed also antagonizes uh, renshen so ulingjur the name means a uh, five spirit fat or fat of the five spirits and i think that's just when they looked at the squirrel feces it looked like fat um, so again, this one, uh, it actually comes, it's not just any flying squirrel. It actually comes from a very specific flying squirrel in China. I think that squirrel is actually endangered, but, uh, because you can like, you can collect its feces without harming the animal. It's, it's still okay to use Oolinger. You just can't kill the actual animal. And I, what I thought was interesting about this is this is a specific flying squirrel that lives in cypress trees, that it eats the like the twigs and leaves and branches on a cypress tree. And so remember, uh, in the regulate chi category, we learned xiang fu, which is a cypress rhizoma. And so I think it's kind of interesting that 
like maybe like the trees and leaves were too difficult to get to, so they just let the squirrel eat it. And in some sort of process, because uh, like xiang fu is good for invigorate or moving qi, but it does not invigorate blood. So some sort of squirrely process happened in there. And when it ate the cypress twigs, it changed it from invigorating qi to invigorate blood. And once the squirrel feces came out, now we have something that invigorates blood. But um, I just kind of connect that to we, we said that xiang fu uh, regulates qi, but it's especially useful for OBGYN conditions. Ulinger invigorates blood and stops pain, especially for uh, painful menses. So some other ones you may or may not have on your syllabus. Um, I think somebody somebody sent me a thing that they said they had this one on their syllabus. It's not on the NCCM list, and uh, it's endangered, so don't use it. But you will see it pop up in one formula, maybe two formulas. So, Chuan uh, Shanjia, uh, Mantis Squema, this is uh, pangolin scales. So, the, the, the scales of the animal looks kind of like an armadillo. I think that's a baby one. I think the... The baby ones are cuter, but this is an endangered animal. It turns out you can't harvest the scales without killing the animal. So Chuan, uh, so in Bensky, uh, Shanjia is has been moved to the category obsolete substances. We don't use this anymore, but um, we can see it has similar properties to uh, Wangbu Liuxing that it un unblo unblocks the menses and also promotes lactation. And so that's what we'd usually use it for. So if you ever were inclined to use it, just use Wangbu Liuxing instead. Um, and this one I just like to put in there because uh, I just remember, like, this was 10 years ago. But I remember this funny thing. When I took herbs, uh, this would have been herbs one when I was in school. They changed things. Or herbs two. Um, my my Chinese teacher, when we were talking about Wangbu Liuxing, he was trying to say it had similar properties to this herb but he couldn't think of the name of the animal in English. Um, so he was like, you know, it's kind of like an ant, like I think he meant to say anteater, but he said antelope and we were like, we were trying to guess the name of this animal and somebody finally looked it up and he said pangolin and like none of us had any idea of what a pangolin was. And so, um, but I just remember it cause it was, there was this girl in the front row that when we were talking about like one time he was like, you know, what's that animal with the long, with the long horn and the girl in the front row said, oh, you mean unicorns? And they're like, no, Barbara, we don't use unicorns in Chinese medicine. He was clearly talking, he was trying to say rhinoceros, but then, the, then a similar thing happened when you were trying to think of the name pangolin and nobody knew what a pangolin was anyway. So we didn't have iPhones back then, so we couldn't look it up. Anyway, Chuan Shanjia, you might see this uh, when you uh, start studying formulas, you might see this come up in one formula and basically it has similar properties to Wangbu Liuxing, so just use that. Another interesting one uh, that comes up is Tu Bie Chong. This is a wingless cockroach. Tu means ground, so we can say ground cockroach, as in it just scurries around the ground, or wingless cockroach, as in it can't fly. And this is another one that breaks up blood stasis. It's also interesting that it has this action of knitting together sinews and bones. So it's really good for uh, injury and trauma. So I think of like just little insects going in there with all their little legs sewing the bones and sinews together. So I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, but what I think is also interesting about this is this is another one that we could say it uh, promotes lactation. So there's just this funny quote in Bensky where he says, He's quoting a, a Chinese physician. If breast milk does not flow, grind one and boil it in half a cup of water, and then filter it clear. Have the patient drink it. 
but do not let her know what it is. And so I, th- I just thought that was kind of funny that you can you can use cockroach, wingless cockroach, to promote lactation, uh, according to Cold Zongshir. So those are herbs that invigorate blood. Uh, that's that category. You may or may not have those last two, but um, at least um, in some of the clinics I've, I think in our school clinic, yeah, in our school clinic, and in a lot of the clinics I've been in, we do have Tu Bia Chong there as an herb. So that's something that it doesn't appear in any of the formulas that we learn, but it is something that might uh, come up. And just so just know that it belongs to this category, maybe, and that it can also be used to uh, promote lactation. Personally, I think we have other options for promoting lactation, so I'd go to those first before I went to 2BA Chong because it's kind of like uh, using a cannon to kill a mosquito. It's, it's kind of overkill unless, unless the problem's really bad. Anyway, herbs that invigorate blood. Sometimes we like to talk about formulas where these uh, herbs pop up just so we can give it some context. So um, so basically, uh, we have a bunch of – we have a, a group of formulas that are good for – uh, treating blood stasis, and we call them the juyu tongs because they also have they all have juyu in the name to drive out stasis. They're also called the Wang Qingren formulas because Wang Qingren was the name of the guy who made them. But yeah, formulas like Shuifu juyu tong for the chest, Gusha juyu tong for the area under the diaphragm, Xiaofu juyu tong for the lower abdomen, Shen tong juyu tong for pain or B syndrome of the entire body. So one of these is Shuifu Juyutong. This is for blood stasis in the mansion of blood, which is the chest and hypochondria. So remember, we had a lot of herbs that were uh, good for that. And so basically, here we'll see Taoren and Honghua, peach pit and safflower used together. This is a very common, uh, commonly used here to invigorate blood. Then, but then we also see things like Chuanchong, Shishao uh, to invigorate blood. Chuan Yoshi is there. Uh, we also see Chai Hu and Jerka there to, um, to actually help with Qi in the chest, uh, again. So this is not only moving blood, it's also, uh, moving Qi as well. So you remember Chai Hu was very good, was good for moving Qi. And then kind of interesting, I thought I'd point out here, if you see in the last column, Jie Gung is also there. And so remember we learned Jie Gung in the transform phlegm stop cough category, and here, Jie Gung is not here to transform phlegm or stop cough. Remember what we said about Jie Gung is it's a guiding herb to the upper body. It's a guiding herb to the chest. So that's why Jie Gung is here, is that we have all these herbs that invigorate blood, but we specifically want to focus the area of action to the chest. So we add in some Jie Gung to guide those herbs to the chest. So before when we talked about Jie Gung as a guiding herb, here's an example of it, and we're using it to send these blood invigorating herbs to the chest. Fu Yan Huo Shui Tong, revive health by invigorating the blood decoction. This is for injury and trauma with blood leaving the vessels. Um, this one, this is another one that I just thought it was funny because I, I think this is Judan Shi, but um, I can't remember, Judan Shi or Li Dong Yuan. Anyway, this is a formula that he specifically created for injury due to someone falling from a great height. So someone fell off a cliff or fell out of a tree and they landed on their chest. So they have this excruciating pain associated with traumatic injury, especially in the chest hypochondria or flanks. So you fell out of a tree and landed on your on your chest or rib sides. So again, we see Taoren and Honghua are here 
to invigorate blood. This is the, I think this is the one formula that we learned that uses Shan Jia, those pangolin scales. So traditionally they would have used that. We would uh, substitute in something else, maybe like Wang Bu Liuxing. Um, would also point out here is remember, um, we talked about Da Huang in the purgative category, but remember that Da Huang rhubarb root also has a strong action of invigorating blood. It invigorated blood, it moved it downward, it was also contraindicated during pregnancy, but we will see Da Huang used in certain formulas that invigorate blood, and here's an example of it. Shixiao San, sudden smile powder. This is for blood stasis in the lower abdomen, so irregular, mensary, irregular menses, painful menses, retention of lochia, postpartum abdominal pain, blah, blah, blah. And so here we have two herbs that we learned. Uling Jur was our flying squirrel feces, so especially for um, pain and bleeding in the lower jaw. Then remember, Pu Huang is cattail pollen. We learned that in the stop bleeding category, but remember we said that Pu Huang also has an action of invigorating blood. So Pu Huang was, we said that if we wanted to enhance its ability to stop bleeding, we used charred Pu Huang, Pu Huang Tan. If we wanted to enhance its ability to invigorate blood, we would stir fry it with alcohol. Jiu uh, Chao Pu Huang. And so here, just remember that basically these two have very similar actions, that they both invigorate blood and stop bleeding and are very good for stopping pain. So the name of this formula is Sudden Smile Powder. The idea is you have a, a female patient that she's in so much pain, so much lower abdominal pain, painful menses, you give her this formula and she suddenly smiles because the pain is gone. So that's referring to the pain relieving effect of these two herbs with their focus action on the lower jowl. I'm not sure why I'm down there. So dragon blood balm is another one that basically some people took a, a, a recipe for dit de jowl and made it into a balm instead of a instead of a, a, a liniment. Um, and so that uses a lot of the ones we learn here. So uh, Jie dragon blood, that's another sap similar to Ruxiang Moya, but uh, Wiseman and Brand put it in that category of herbs specifically for injury and trauma. Uh, so we didn't learn that one, but it's a very commonly used for injury and trauma. Here can, you can see um, Ruxiang and Mo Yao, frankincense and myrrh are there because they invigorate blood and they also heal wounds. Uh, Zitzao, we learned that in the cool the blood category, but it's very good for like rashes and things like that. Aie, remember we learned that in the stop bleeding category, It's but it's because it's warm, it's very young, it promotes circulation. Sumu is another one that we don't learn, but it's in that... Uh, um, injury trauma category. And then uh, Honghua safflower is here to invigorate blood. So these are these are just some ingredients that they um, that are commonly used in dit de jiao, but here we have um, a, a couple guys who put it together in a balm that they could use for their hands. I think they specifically created this for um, rock climbers. Uh, because rock climbers like as a ball, you could use it on your muscles and things, but they were especially good for your hands. That like when your hands get dry and chapped. So, if I were specifically using this for hands, I I might add in. Remember, we learned by G blatillae rhizoma, which was specifically good for cracks, fissures, and chapped hands. So, if you're specifically using this for hands, that might be something I would I would want to add in there. But 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 this is also you can use this on like aching muscles and stuff and so that's just another uh, application of herbs that invigorate blood 
So for herbs that invigorate blood, um, this is a long category. So first of all, I would go through and know the temperature of each one. Most of these are warm, but we did have a few that stick out because they're cold in temperature. So we had herbs like um, Don Shen was slightly cold or cool in temperature. Yi Jin was cold in temperature. And then we had Chi uh, Shao was, was cold in temperature. So I think about those ones that have a, a different temperature. Then I would think about what do these herbs have a specialty in terms of are they better for relieving pain? Are they better for unblocking the menses? Do they do additional things like promote lactation or treat headache or things like that? So that's where I would kind of start with such a large category like this. But if we go through Chuan Chong, it's good for both qi and blood. This is a very all-purpose blood mover. We see it used a lot, but Chuan Chong, we should specifically know that it's good for headache. So Chuan Chong treats headache. Dan Shen, uh, this one is cool in temperature, invigorates blood, it's especially for OBGYN menstruation issues, but it's also very good for opening the chest for, for pain in the chest and epigastrium. We also said that Dan Shen calms the Shen, so uh, clears heat. Ji Shui Tong, uh, Tong means vine, so remember vines are soft and flexible, so it's good for bee syndrome, but Ji Shui Tong is one that we said that both invigorates blood and tonifies blood. Yan Hu Suo, that's like a painkiller, um, so it's very good for stopping pain. Yi Jin, remember that Yi and Yi Jin means constraint or constrain. So Yi Jin is good for blood stasis, but when there's liver constraint, but this is another one that's cold in temperature. So when that liver constraint turns into heat, you can use Yi Jin. When that liver constraint turns into heat and causes bleeding, you can use Yi Jin. And when that liver constraint causes, turns into damp heat in the gallbladder and causes jaundice and things like that, you can use Yi Jin. So those are the things I would remember there. Jiang Huang is turmeric. You can think that turmeric is a is an anti-inflammatory, so it's good for pain and and B syndrome, especially in the shoulder. You can also maybe remember that Jiang means ginger, so this one is warm in temperature, so it's especially when there's blood stasis due to cold. Emutsao is benefiting mother grass, so it's good for uh, menstruation issues. OBGYN Zilan kind of similar. We say that Zilan is very gentle. Churchow, remember that it both invigorates blood and cools the blood. So we can use it for blood level heat when those two things go together. Very similar to Mudan P is another one that we learned earlier that cools the blood and invigorates blood. Taorin and Honghua are often used together to invigorate blood, like we saw in all those Juyutong formulas. Maybe know that Taorin, because it's a seed, it also moistens the large intestine. Uju and San Lung are both break the blood and they're good for abdominal masses. So Uju and San Lung, I would think about breaking up abdominal masses, breaking up accumulations and concretions. Ruxiang and Mo Yao are frankincense and myrrh. So I think about regenerating flesh, invigorating blood, regenerating flesh, especially useful for injury and trauma. We see it in things like Ditta Jiao or Dragon Blood Balm. Nyoshi, the name means ox knee, so it invigorates blood, but specifically moves things downward. Uh, Nyoshi will make your knees as strong as, as an ox. It will also descend floating heat. Wangbu Liuxing, even the king cannot stop it from moving, but Wangbu Liuxing, in terms of invigorating blood, we might say its specialties are unblocking the menses and unblocking lactation. Remember, we learned other herbs for this, like... Um, Mutong is good for promoting lactation. And I feel like we learned one more in that category. Dongkuizha is also good for promoting lactation. So now here we have another one, Wangbu Liuxing. 
Oolinger, flying squirrel feces, it's good for menstruation issues and pain. So this is sudden smile powder. So you can, if a woman is having painful menses, you can, she'll start smiling because of its pain relieving effect. And then you tell her it's flying squirrel feces and then maybe she'll stop smiling and be angry instead. Um, and then, yeah, th that one, I remember that, um, I had I had two friends in school that, that like they were they were dating at the time and for some reason she had a bag of Oolinger and her her boyfriend like found it was like oh is this a Oolinger which is a Cassandra berry a Oolinger is a it's in the astringent category but it can also have tonified cheese so he like found this bag he's like oh is this Oolinger and she was like yeah yeah it's Oolinger so he like took some out and tried eating it and she was like. Haha, <laughs> you ate squirrel poop. Um, so that's also what I remember about Oolinger. So that is herbs that invigorate the blood. Um, hopefully that wasn't too long and meandering. Um, again, I I just kind of did this spur of the moment. I might try to record a better version tomorrow and upload that. That's all I got. See you next time.